You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Bloodhounds, part three of three. Enjoy. To finish up our series on Bloodhounds, how you guys doing? Uh, uh, have you been criticized yet for believing in Christ? If you haven't, just keep going. I remember uh, back 30 years ago now when I first gave my life to Christ and uh, I was in a relationship with him, still am. And, and it was, uh, and still this is the most wonderful thing I've ever known is to get up in the morning and talk to him and go through my day walking with him and listening to him and receiving from him and, and getting to know him more. And uh, I remember telling my uh, mom about it and she wanted to literally disown me was so upset, violently opposed to it. And uh, it, was, it was a very contrary thing to my upbringing. But you know what? It, it just didn't matter to me. <laughs> He's just too good. How can I walk away from such love? How can I turn away from that based on tradition or even family? Right? We, 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 we love our biological family but we can only go so far with someone. We can only go as far as they're willing to go with Christ, right? We'll love them for the rest of our lives. We forgive them, but we're going after Christ, right? We're going after Christ. We're not going to be disrespectful to them. We're going you know, to do the things we need to do to be good sons and daughters. But at the same time, we're going to pursue him with everything we've got, Right? Do you know the father of our faith was asked to leave his family and his, and his homeland and follow God? His, his family were moon worshipers. They didn't know the maker of heaven and earth. They worshiped other gods, and God spoke to Abram and said, I want you to follow me. Was it worth it? Absolutely. So I, I gladly walked away from everything I knew to follow him. And I'm never going back. He's worth it. <laughs> That's kind of an understatement. I don't know how else to say it. He's worth it. He's worth your, he's worth your total devotion. He's worth all of your heart and dreams. He's worth every subtle desire and every raging one. He's the fulfillment of our raging desires. <laughs> so we're going to finish up with bloodhounds. We've been talking about doggies, the scent hounds known as bloodhounds. They have this instinct inside of them that's strong and tenacious to track something, not with their eyes, but with their sense of smell. And we, we know that we've been born with a divine desire to track God. Not with our eyes, but with faith. And that's what we're doing. We're knowing Him and we're following Him by faith. We live each day by faith in Him. And we don't want to let religion define what faith is because the Bible defines it for us. Faith is being sure and certain of who He is what he's done for us and who we are in him. Faith is being sure and certain. Faith is leaning your whole personality on him. Yeah. 
in absolute and trust in absolute trust and confidence in his wisdom and power in goodness the only way to follow god and to know and experience god is by faith there's no other way faith is not something we work for it's not something we obtain through prayer and bible study Uh-oh, what did he just say? Faith is something that's been deposited in every human being. But what about the Scripture? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Talk about faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is not automatic, but faith is in us. Your faith will be turned on, will be activated by what you give your attention to. That's why faith comes by hearing about faith in Christ comes by hearing about Christ comes by giving our attention to what he said right but I can give my attention to what I think and I can make up my mind that what I think is the way it is I can do that many have that that the conclusions I've come to based on what I've been through my evaluation of life is accurate have you done that? Well, I, I've been through it. I know. No, you don't. You may have been through it, but listen, there are things you'll never understand this side of heaven. You need the wisdom and direction and leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. Yeah, you are great. God made you in His image, but we're not made to live separate from Him. We're made to live in union with Him. So faith is already inside of you. If you want to know God, you just have to give Him your full attention. Just give Him your full attention. I like what Carrie Judd Montgomery said. Anybody know who Carrie Judd Montgomery is? Isn't that a great name? Carrie Judd Montgomery. She was a healing evangelist in the late 19th century, early 20th century. She... Uh, knew Wigglesworth and, and Lake and the gang, and she was uh, one of the first uh, women healing evangelists that opened up a healing home. Started one in Buffalo and then went out to the West Coast, started one out there. But she said this, this is a quote from Carrie Judd Montgomery. She said, how strange and sad it is that when the Bible abounds in such rich promises, for supplying the need both of soul and body that we should be languishing in either. Let us together earnestly and prayerfully search God's word and by the light and by its light dispel the mists of unbelief. Let, us, let me read that again. Let us together earnestly and prayerfully search God's word and by its light dispel the mists of unbelief which prevent our seeing clearly the blessings which are only awaiting our grasp of faith. She was a young girl who was very sick, went through some very, uh, had a, a spinal disease and somehow heard through uh, an acquaintance of hers about divine healing. And she contacted the person who, who received divine healing. And they were in different parts of the country, but they contacted each other. 
And, and this person said, I'm going to pray for you at this time on this date. I want, you, I want you to agree with me and receive it. And I want you to act like you're healed from that moment on. And she did it. And things didn't change right away. She, she, she had a hard time, couldn't get out of bed. But when that person prayed, when they knew it was, it was that date and that time, she believed she received it and she, she began thinking like she was healed. And I don't know, it was within a week she got up out of her bed. And within a period of weeks following that, eventually she was fully, fully healed from something they had no answer for. See, this is what faith does. You, you believe it even when you don't see it. You act on it because it is so, even though your body may not have picked up on it yet. This is what being a bloodhound is. Put Hebrews 6.12 up there. This is what we're doing. We're following God by faith. His aroma is what leads us. The aroma of His presence. The truth of who He is is what we've given our attention to. Hebrews 6.12 says, In order that you may not grow disinterested, that can happen. Have you ever seen a boring movie? It's the worst. Especially if you've paid for it. Right? You're in the theater with your popcorn. The expectation's high. And you know right from the first 10 minutes, this is, this is a bomb. Right? This is going nowhere. But you paid for it, so you sit through the whole thing. Right? God doesn't want you growing disinterested. He, he's got a blockbuster for you that will thrill you. It's your destiny in Him. He paid for it, and He wants you to enjoy the show. So that you don't grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards. How do we become disinterested? By listening to the wrong voices. By believing wrong things about ourselves, about God, and about others. Um, Spiritual sluggards, but imitators, behaving as do those who through faith, by their leaning of the entire personality on God. I love that. Excellent definition of faith. They're leaning of the entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in His power, His wisdom, and His goodness. And by practice of patience, endurance, and waiting are now inheriting the promises. We practice this. We do. This is something that you... That you it wasn't normal for me to trust in God when I was growing up because I didn't know His nature. I didn't know what He wanted from me. I didn't know how He would treat me. I had to practice Him loving me. I had to practice my, I had to change my thinking and say, wait a minute, because there's times I would go to God and I'd be afraid that He was going to do something to me. And I had to say, wait a minute, that's not who He is. He's not like that. There are times I'd have condemning thoughts and I have to remove those and replace those with the, the reality of my righteousness in Him. That's practicing His right, that's practicing the realities of what He's done for me. I don't know, was it Brother Lawrence from, was practicing the presence, practicing His presence? We practice this. That's really what each day is. It's an opportunity to experience more of Him. How do I experience more of Him? I catch wrong thoughts and I replace them with good ones. Condemning thoughts, I don't allow them. 
thoughts of failure and discouragement. I don't allow them. But you have to practice kicking them out. You have to practice uh, putting godly thoughts in their place. It's, it's a practice. It's, it's, it's an ongoing uh, way of living. We're not trying to earn something from Him. We're not trying to, you know, memorize enough scriptures so we can be blessed. We're, we're getting to know Him more. Our righteousness, His blessings, don't depend on how many Bible verses I know. I did that in my own life. I mean, I love, I've memorized probably hundreds, I don't know, maybe thousands of scriptures. But I, I and it just initially started when I first got saved because I just wanted to know him more. But, you know, the years went by and it became something almost prideful to me. It's like, and and I, I thought I, would, I was looking to that as, as a source of strength. And it, it's kind of funny. It can be a subtle thing. You can be doing something good, but your faith's really not in him. It's in yourself. Your faith is in your own performance of, uh, of what you think should be done. Have I read the Bible enough? Have I prayed the right way? Have I done everything perfectly that God told me to do? No, you haven't. I'll just clear that up for you. Just be honest, you haven't. I haven't either. But what He does for me is not dependent on my perfect performance. It's based on Christ's perfect performance. That means I'm always in. I'm always on. I'm always victorious because it depends on what He did for me, not what I can do for Him. Isn't that what President Kennedy said? Ask not what you can do for God, but what God, meditate on what God's already done for you. Isn't that what he's saying? He should have. <laughs> So we're not meditating on, on how we need to change our life. This is really good. It's very simple. Boy, it'll change you. That's not the focus of our day when I get up. How do I need to change today? What are the wrong things I need to fix in my life today? If that's your focus, sooner or later you're going to hit a wall. Sooner or later. might take years, but you'll hit it if you're trying to follow God. Our focus when we get up is, God, you're so amazing. You did it all for me. You love me with a perfect love. You've provided every need of mine according to your riches in Christ Jesus. I'm prosperous and blessed because of you. It's not, I'm not living by my own strength. You are the strength of my life. You're the victory and joy. You're, my, you're the peace and well-being of my soul. Your joy is the strength of my life. This is how we wake up. If you don't, start. Practice this. Practice is just a term for, for, for making yourself do this purposefully. Do you understand what I mean? Make yourself talk and think like this purposefully. Soon as you're conscious, I do this in my sleep. Have you ever had an ungodly dream? A dream that's presenting you scenarios of what's going to happen in your life? What do you do about that? I don't even wake up anymore. I just speak to it in my sleep. It's so in me, it's, it's automatic. I said, no, no, no. Christ lives in me. He's gone before me. He's a shield all about me and my family. 
It'll become such a, it'll become an automatic response to wrong thoughts and circumstances. That's where you want to be. You want to, you want to automatically know how much He loves you. Automatically know that He is the shield that surrounds you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Hallelujah. Automatically. Hallelujah. We said something shocking in this series. We said it takes zero faith to know that God exists. And it's true. Why does it take zero faith to know that God exists? Because the existence of God is the most obvious of all realities. Nothing could be more obvious. Romans 1.20 says, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being evident from what has been made so that men are without excuse. The existence of God is not what we use our faith for. What do we use our faith for? It takes faith to know His nature because we're living in a contrary world. And you, all of us, have experienced things that are contrary to the will of God. And if you don't put your faith in who Christ is, you're going to come to conclusions about God's will for your life that are wrong. If you listen to some ministers, you're going to think God brought that tragedy into your loved one's life or into your life to teach you something. And that's not true. God's not like that. He's never done that, and He'll never do that to someone. He doesn't bring tragedy into people's lives to teach them something. It's as simple as what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Verse 11, he said, If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father? Right? Would you bring a tragedy into your child's life to teach them something? I mean, even if you've never had a child, you know the answer to that one. Right? There's no way. No No one could ever make you do that. No one. Well, how much more God, right? Isn't he love like we say? How can we say he's love in one breath and then say he, he took my loved one with, with cancer in the other breath? They're, they're two opposing statements. They're diametrically opposed. See, so it takes faith to know his nature because we're living in a contrary world, right? Satan is the God of this world. So our faith, we're not trying to believe that God exists. That's obvious. What we're believing, what we're putting our faith in is in who Christ is, the person and ministry of Jesus. So we said we've been looking at three areas, three areas in the Bible that we meditate on to know and experience the will of God. The first one we said was the person and ministry of Jesus, right? As recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. So I'm not interested in my version of Jesus. I'm not interested in your version of Jesus. I want the real Jesus. So what do I do? Where's my Bible? I go to my Bible, right? And I I open up to Matthew and to Mark and to Luke and to John and Acts, and I study the real Jesus. There are more manuscripts verifying the authenticity of the New Testament than any, any, any group of classical writings combined. You can all the writings of Socrates and Plato and Shakespeare, you name it. They, they, they don't even begin to compare to the amount of manuscripts that verify to us the integrity of the New Testament. So we go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and we study the person and ministry of Jesus, and you won't find him putting one tragedy on anybody. 
And He never changes. So we change if we thought that. And there was a time in my life I didn't know. I thought, what? I don't know. Maybe God, I was very sick. I thought maybe, you know, maybe God wants me that way. I don't know. But when I started looking at Jesus, I had to change the way I thought because I didn't see Him teaching or demonstrating that. I saw Him healing people, not making them sick. The will of God is to heal, right? So we, we base our decisions about the nature of God on the person and ministry of Jesus, not what has or has not happened in my life. Very important. You've got to make this decision, and you've got to stick with it. Because Satan will tempt you to compromise on this. But I want to know him as he is, not as others declare him to be. Right? Because he's so good. So that's the first place. We talked about that. The second place we said to, to uh, build our uh, understanding of his will and nature in the Bible are the promises of God. When we're, we're promise hounds, right? We're like bloodhounds on a trail. We're, you know, we see, we see a promise. Uh, my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, uh, that he who did not spare his own son gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Uh, what, whatever we come across a promise, man, we eat it alive. We eat Jesus alive at Highway Church. That's what he wants you to do. He wants his word to be alive and real to you. He wants you to experience him in your daily life. So that was the second place, the promises of God. Let's finish this up today. The third place in the Bible that we look to, to grow strong in our understanding of his nature so that we can follow him Without, without hindrance, so that we can track him in our lives, are the names of God. We just touched on the first one last week. The names of God. God's nature is revealed to us. God's will for us is revealed to us in his name. Now, it's kind of funny, growing up as I did in America, we didn't, we didn't know what our names meant. I was just named after my grandpa. You know, and what is... Joseph mean? I don't know. I didn't know growing up. And I, I learned later what it means from the scriptures. I like it. It's increase. He shall add. So I like that. But name, the whole idea of names in the scripture is all about purpose and destiny. It's about speaking over someone. So when God reveals a name, he's saying, this is who I am and this is my will for your life. Very important. He's not uh, revealing a name so he can get a social security card or so they can have a driver's license. There's more to his name than just identifying his identity. Well, it is about identifying him. It's about identifying his nature. So the first name we talked about last Sunday was Yehovah uh, or Yahweh, Jehovah we say in English, Right? And it's a name that's very powerful that literally means to be, but more specifically, to become known. It's a name that means I am the God who desires to be known by you. It's a relationship name. I'm the God who unceasingly reveals myself to you. I'm the God who's holding nothing back from you. I'm your all in all. Okay? Now, let's look at a few other names and we'll finish this up. 
Are we still awake? God is good. Isn't he good? So Yehovah, and that was back in Genesis 2, 4, and we're not going to read these scriptures for time's sake, but you can write them down, and I recommend you do that every Sunday. These scriptures come up, write down the, the book, chapter, verse. Okay, Genesis 2, 4, or we just went over Hebrews 6, 12, right? Romans 1, 20. Write those down, and then go home later today, and throughout the week, meditate on them. Dig into them. Eat them alive, Okay? So in Genesis 22, uh, 14, you can write that one down. We're not going to read it. God is revealed by another name. So he took that name, Yehovah, Jehovah, and he added, uh, added a second part to it. Like, for example, uh, Jehovah Yireh, we say Jehovah Jireh, is what Abraham declared him to be on Mount Moriah when God provided the sacrifice for Abraham, which was foreshadowing of Jesus. He called him Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. Okay? Now, this is an awesome name of God, but what is God saying? I am the, the one who wants to continually reveal myself to you as your provider. So if we get into a situation where lack is staring at us in the face, and we rely on our own strength, we're kind of closing the door to a further revealing of His provision. Do you catch that one? So God is saying, I want to reveal myself to you unceasingly as your provider. That's every day. So we're not looking to the world's systems as a means of provision for us. We're walking with Him. He does things differently. He does things that we would never think of. He's got to feed thousands of people, and He's got, what, a couple fish and a few loaves. What would you do? Well, I'd look for the nearest town, right? And, and send a team of people and, and go and buy out as many bakeries as you can. Right? Ask, ask, find to find some farmers, find a ranch that, that you know, we need, we need food for 10,000 people, 15,000 people. Jesus doesn't do that. Why? Because God is Jehovah Yireh. I'm the one who wants to reveal myself to you unceasingly at higher and higher, deeper and deeper, wider and wider levels as your provider. So every time lack stares at us, it's an opportunity for God to be revealed in our lives. Man, this is good. I'm just listening like you are. So it's a different response to lack now, isn't it? There's no fear with it. It's like, ooh, what are you going to do now, God? I want to see. Speak to me. Lead me. You're my father. You're my shepherd. I shall not lack. Right? We speak the promise. Okay? I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm feeling like an... Just could stay on that one for a while. Provision. Wow. Provision. There are all kinds of conferences and seminars on how to make money. Right? You can go to a bunch of them. And there's good information in just about every one of them. There is. I've been to several of them. 
But I'm going to tell you, God wants to do things differently in your life. If we could go to a seminar and learn this, we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. I'm not against seminars. I go to them. I've learned things from seminars. But I, I need the Holy Spirit's direction and leadership in my life. How would you feed 15,000? How would you pay money that was owed? Well, I catch a fish and take the money out of his mouth. Uh, I don't think so, right? That's, that's not, have you ever been to a seminar where they teach you that one? How to make money. What would you do if they taught you that? Leave the seminar, wouldn't you? This is what Jesus did when they had a financial need. Come on. <laughs> is this Jesus or what? He told, he, was, it, was it Peter that said that to him about the temple tax? And he sends him to get a fish. And inside of a fish, the money was there for both him and Jesus. I don't know how much that was. I'm telling you, God wants to do things supernaturally in your life. But you've got to be aware of this and not kick into self-mode. Not kick into your own wisdom and experience mode. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Don't be afraid. He's your shepherd. Shall not lack. Then in Genesis 48, 15, Israel prayed a prayer for Joseph. So Abraham declared that Jehovah is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord you know what provide means, by the way? P-R-O, if you break apart the word, provision, P-R-O is before, and vision is to see. It means he's seen ahead of time what your need is, and he's met it. Provision. I've already seen your needs, and I've already met them. It's a good way to think when you're getting up, right? And going through your day. Hallelujah. And then Jake, excuse me, Israel prays for Joseph, and he refers to Jehovah as Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. I am the God who wants to reveal myself to you unceasingly as your shepherd. As the one who leads you to green pastures, beside uh, quiet waters of rest, who restores your soul, who leads you in paths of righteousness. For my name's sake, where did I get all that from? Is that just poetic language? Where's that from? Psalm 23. You want to talk about learning the nature of God, eat Psalm 23 alive. It's, it's dripping with it, the nature and will of God. It's a number of psalms like that. Psalm 91, Psalm 121, Psalm 34, Psalm 103. I memorize all of them. Why? Because I want, I want to, I, I, you know, when you go on a trip, you get your, your, your cheese sticks and your uh, snacks and put them in your cooler. I want, I, I, want to, I want to have Jesus ready at hand when I need him. So I eat Jesus snacks all day. I pull out my Jesus cheese stick. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Right? I get out my bag of Jesus Doritos. Right? The Lord is a shield all about me. He surrounds me as a shield. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So now here's the name. This is amazing. So, so far we have Abraham declaring that God is Jehovah Jireh. We have uh, Israel praying for Joseph and saying that he, he's Jehovah Rohi. But you want to learn something pretty powerful? Speaking of uh, his name, the first name, compound name, that God declares about himself. So you have all these names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah uh, um, Rohi, Jehovah Sidkenu, Je Jehovah Nisi. But the first compound name that God said of himself is what? Anybody know? It was in Exodus 15.26. Jehovah Rophe. I am the Lord, your healer. That is the first compound name that God declared of himself. Remember a principle of Bible study. Principle of first. When the first happens, study it. Because it sets the precedent for everything else that follows. It is very significant that the first name God would declare of himself is your personal healer. Oh boy, well I've got to say it. I'm so glad to follow the Holy Spirit regardless of what others might say. Listen, I'm the God who wants to continually reveal myself to you as your healer. I mean, how many different health systems are out there? God has a plan for your health. And it's through intimacy with Him. It's not by trying to find all the right grains and the right combination of organic this and the, I'm not, you do what you want to do. But I'm telling you, there is a life and a power that is only available through faith in Him. Those who discover this, Proverbs 4.23 says, those who find your word are bursting with health. Those who discover the reality of who you've declared yourself to be are bursting with health. See, I grew up in a medical family and, and, and you know, very familiar with just about any kind of system out there and I just, I just gave up on them after a while. And then I came to know Christ and I thought, wait a minute. He who find, that, that, give your attention to me, incline your ears to my sayings, don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Where's that at? Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. You want to talk about a Jesus snack? That's one right there. Eat that thing for the next 31 days. That God's word is health to my whole body. I've experienced that now for uh, 20 some years, 23 years. So the very first name, which makes sense now because Jesus, it de Matthew declares that Jesus went about teaching, preaching and healing. Why do I talk about healing so much? Because it's the heart of God. It's the very first thing he said about himself as far as compound names go. It was a priority in the ministry of Jesus, which is so devilish when someone says that God put a sickness in someone's life. Yeah. 
That's a work of Satan, not God. It'll change when you start looking at sickness as satanic. As an evil devil, a thief, a robber, an enemy that we loathe and hate and disallow in our lives. Violent attitude towards sickness. Violent attitude towards anything that came about from the curse of sin that Satan's trying to destroy us with. And then in, in Jeremiah 23, 6, Jeremiah declares, uh, the Lord declares through him, that he is Jehovah Sidkenu. What does that mean? I am the Lord, your righteousness. So God did say that of himself through Jeremiah. I'm the God who wants to unceasingly reveal myself to you as your righteousness. Now, there are many other names. We're not going to go through them all. We want to finish this up today. There's the, the Jehovah Nisi, God, your victory, your banner. Um, Jehovah, uh, I'm not even remembering them now, but there's a bunch of them, okay? <laughs> but Jehovah Sidkenu, yes, Shalom is a great one. I'm God, your wholeness. I'm God, your well-being. But the Lord, my righteousness, is perhaps one of the, the great ones that we need to know. In other words, God's saying, I am your righteousness. You're clean because I am your cleanliness. I have made you righteous. That gives you power to live your life free from condemnation for the rest of your days. No one can take your righteousness away because God himself is it. In fact, knowing that you're righteous will foil the devil's plans in your lives. In your life. In Isaiah 54, it says, No weapon formed against you will prosper. Why? Because your righteousness is from God. Listen, Satan has strategies against you. Don't be afraid of them, but don't be ignorant of them. And the number one way he has access to us is through condemnation and fear. So you've got to know Jehovah Sidkenu. God is my righteousness. He, is, he has made me righteous. How righteous has he made you? Well, I, I don't know. Can we theorize? Can we speculate? Why don't we just let the word tell us? 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're as righteous as God. Wow. You got to be kidding. No. He gave you his righteousness. You're as clean and as holy as he. Now listen, there's a walking out of that. Right? There's a, a growing in our understanding of that. That doesn't mean you do everything right. But your standing before him is perfect. Okay? So you don't ever have to listen to the devil again. Don't you ever entertain another condemning, fearful thought about yourself again. You are accepted. You are loved. You are his very own. You are just as much a son or daughter of God as Jesus is. Hallelujah. This will change your life. But you have to practice thinking this way. Don't wait for it to happen. It won't. 
As true as all of this is, you will not experience it if you don't choose to purposely make yourself think on it and say it. Did you hear me? You have to open your own mouth. You have to fill your own mind with these truths. As true as they are, truth is not automatic. Experiencing truth is not automatic. Okay? You have to make that choice to fill your mind and your mouth with it. Start today. Just get in it. Get in it. Get on it. Hallelujah. Now, what's wonderful about all the names, and you can go through and study all the Jehovah names of God. They're very powerful. But Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these names. He's the perfect fulfillment of every name of God. Now, what does the name Jesus mean? We say in English. Or Joshua, Yeshua, what does that mean? Wholeness, salvation. God saves now, God heals now. His very name is healing. That's what his name means. When you say, I lift up Jesus, you're saying, I lift up my healer. I lift up, I lift up my provider, right? So Jesus is our provider, and he does it. Let him do it his way. Let him wow you. Let him multiply the loaves and the fish. Let him, let him lead you to a place where there's a provision for you you've never thought of. Hallelujah. You know, when he rose from the dead and he, he, he was on the beach in the morning and he called to his disciples, he said, Did you catch anything? Nope. And he tells them to cast their net in the water. And that must have sounded pretty stupid because they had just done that all night long. And you, you know if you're a fisherman, if you've done this for hours and hours and hours, you're in, a, you're in a spot where there are no fish. The answer is not to take your net out and put it back in. You've got to find another spot where they're biting, right, where the fish are. Not with Jesus. See, see the devil will try and get you to leave your spot. Oh, man. To leave the place of God's provision for your life. Because you don't see the fish biting. And you've been trying for hours. But the problem is not the spot you're in. The problem is who you've been relying on. Start relying on what he says. And watch the fish start to bite. What happened when they, they stopped relying on their experience. And, and just simply obeyed his word. What happened? Read it for yourself in the Gospels. They put the net in, and it, they couldn't get the net back in the boat because there were so many fish in it. God wants to do that in your life. But listen, it just comes from listening to Him, developing that relationship with Him. And when He speaks to you, just do it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about if it sounds like impossible or, or if you know better. Just do what he says. Just, just get on it. And watch what happens. He's our provider. He's our shepherd, right? John 10, 11, right after he said, I came that they might have life and life abundantly. What's the very next thing he said? I am the good shepherd. Why would Jesus tell us he came? That we might have life and life abundantly. Because life abundantly is not automatic in this world. Satan's the God of this world. He started off by saying the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? I came that they might have life and life abundantly till it overflows to the full. I am the good shepherd. 
He's our shepherd. He's our physician. Mark, Matthew 4.23 the number of scriptures, Matthew 9, 25, said that Jesus went about all the villages and towns teaching, preaching, and healing. Healing is a priority to God. That's why you'll hear so much about it at Highway Church. Because it it's the heart of the Father. All right? He's our righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Now, let's finish this up. Are you ready? Something nuclear happens inside of the heart of a human being when they know what God has done for them. When the knowledge of what God has done comes alive in the heart of a human being an aroma begins to emanate from them that changes the atmosphere they're in. When you get to the point where you know this is who Jesus is, this is what he's done for me, this is who I am in him, there is a spiritual aroma that will begin to transmit from you into the atmosphere around you and it will change the atmosphere you're in. You, I'm talking about, you know, those little uh, diffusers and things that they change the, the aroma in the room. I'm talking about when you're plugged into the knowledge of who you are, when you walk into a room, the atmosphere will change. I love when I meet someone who's filled up with who they are in Christ. It changes my day. As opposed to meeting someone and they start complaining to you. That's a different aroma. You know what that smells like? I'll leave that up to your imagination. Cow, cow patties. Meadow muffins. <laughs> Look at 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. You smell good when you're trusting in Jesus. You do. You smell really good when you're trusting him. Oh, man. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. But thanks be to God who every other time... Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Okay. Who always... I love that. I need an always God. I need a God whose battery never runs out whose systems are always working. Yes. Who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Now look at this. And through us spreads everywhere this atmosphere-changing fragrance, the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ. Wow. 
among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. You watch. The closer you get to him, the more you realize these things, you'll feel the atmosphere changing when you come in the room. You'll feel contrary atmospheres. You'll sense darkness. It's so cool. When you, when you practice trusting him, when you refuse to uh, be afraid, when you refuse to give your circumstances the upper hand, you'll go from being stinky to being sweet. <laughs> Jennifer's mom and dad were visiting with us and he's got some great jokes. So he was telling the kids a joke and he said, uh, Pop-Pop said, I don't know, I think I was made backwards. He said, um, my feet smell and my nose runs. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I want you to know this. God puts you in the earth to change the earth. To change the atmosphere you're in. You're a diffuser of Christ. And what causes that fragrance to emanate from you? Trusting in Him. Now let me say something to you. I can't trust in God and flip someone off at the same time. Can't be done. Now if you've done that, just repent. God forgive you. In other words, I, I'm amazed at what I see on social media. You see some true colors coming out sometimes. Listen, the devil's got lots of bait. People make a stupid statement. I see Christians jumping right in there, sounding just as stupid. Some of them getting upset, insulting. Listen, that's, that's not a fragrance of Christ. That's the world's, right? We don't want to smell that. Come on, yeah, don't be a meadow muffin, right? Don't put it, don't, don't release meadow muffins on social media. Really? Come on, be the fragrance of Christ. There's some, many things I don't, even, I don't even acknowledge. They're just so stupid. You know? Political arguments are a great one. Man, I see people getting so upset about stupid stuff. And oh, the, the latest controversy, the latest whatever so-and-so said, whatever politician just said. Listen, Jesus is Lord. We win. America's going higher. God has a destiny for this nation. Our liberty is founded in Christ, not in a, in a political party. Don't let the behavior of men and women get you upset. Be a fragrance of Christ on Facebook. Really. Say something that, that brings light and life into the conversation, or don't say anything at all. Amen. Amen. Now, I love seeing this in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament, too. You, you, see, you see these people who are exuding God. I mean, you talk, look at Abra, Abraham. You know, he, the atmosphere changed where he, where, where he walked. and he, he stepped on land and it belonged to him. 
That's a, that's a You can do the same thing. The ground you stepped on changed because you stepped on it. You see, you see, I mean, you go all the way back to Noah. You want to talk about someone who changed the atmosphere. In the midst of an ungodly world, he chose to trust God. And boy, did the atmosphere change. <laughs> I mean, you can look at Joseph. You can look at David. Let's go to the New Testament. Wind this thing up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three of my favorites. Right? But in the New Testament, now, after Jesus rose from the dead, the New Testament church comes alive in the earth. Never happened before. It came alive. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're transformed. They're able to pray in the Spirit. Now, their spirit's able to talk to God without their mind getting in the way. That's what tongues is about. And they begin, they begin living a life they've never lived before. They begin saying and doing things they've never done before. When they come into a town, things get stirred up. So here's Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, a couple Christ diffusers. And they're going to church, to the temple, at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. So this is a tradition, right? And there's a man lame from his mother's womb who was carried and set daily at the gate. And I'm in Acts chapter 3, verse 2. Of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them to enter the temple. And this man sees Peter and John. They're about to go in the temple. Um, excuse me, when seeing Peter and John going to the temple, he asks them for alms. You know what alms are? Those are gifts given to the poor. Many people misunderstand this when Jesus talked about giving alms. He said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Why? Because when you would give to someone who's poor, you want to respect them. You don't want to announce it. You don't want to brag about it. You don't want anyone to know about it. You do it discreetly. He was not talking about worshiping God with your money. We do that publicly and unashamedly. We see that, and you see that in his ministry. When it came to presenting tithes and offerings, he stood and watched everyone. He watched exactly what they put into the offering. So he certainly wasn't talking about that. He was talking about alms. I say that because we worship God public here with our money. We're not ashamed of it. We do it gladly and joyfully. So this man's looking for a, a financial gift, and Peter fastens his eyes upon him. Why? Because he's got this confidence in God now. Right? He's full of the Holy Spirit. He fastens his eyes on him with John, and, and he says, look on us. And he gives heed unto them, expecting to receive something for them. Then Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, there's something inside of me now that I want to transfer to you. There's something inside of me that's going to be transferred to you. Such as I have, give I thee in the name. Remember we talked about the names of God? Right? In the name of the one who unceasingly reveals himself as your healer. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifting him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood. This is a verse, verse 7, I meditated on years ago when I aggravated a, a, a previous injury. And I just meditated on my bones getting strong immediately. And meditated on it. Saw, I saw my bones immediately getting strong. I did that for about 24 hours and that was the end of that. 
and went on, never had an issue with it again. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now this is a big deal, right? Their tradition couldn't do this. People coming in and every day honoring their tradition, nothing happening, right? But in verse 12 of the same chapter, when it says when Peter uh, saw it, uh, in other words, the people are marveling what just happened. And Peter says to them, we're going to paraphrase this here to save time. He said, why are you looking at us as if we, by our own power and holiness, made this man walk? It's the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, that has glorified his son Jesus, who's done this. He goes on to say that it's his name, that it's through faith in his name, that has made this man whole, whom you see and know, and that there is no other name under heaven and earth by which we are made whole. Now, here's what I want to bring out. They get in trouble for this. You, you know, people don't like it when you do things like Jesus does them. Because it messes up their tradition. It messes up their theology. It messes up their, their way of thinking. But they did it anyway. And they're on trial now before the high priests... They're being persecuted for doing what Jesus did. Isn't that uh, odd, huh? And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, this is chapter 4 now, I'm in verse 7. When they set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, verse 9, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name. That word salvation means wholeness, soteria in the Greek. Neither is there wholeness, healing, in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby, whereby we must be healed and made whole, sozo in the Greek. How then, when, now, okay, verse 13, here's the final verse. Now, when they saw the boldness, here's that fragrance that's emitting in the courtroom, in the trial, in the temple here. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they weren't high priests, they had no religious training. They're standing before the experts, the doctors of the law. And these men are bold and unashamed and changing the world. And they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they, I like how this is the uh, King James, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So here's your assignment this week. Be with Jesus. Listen, you don't, may not realize it, but when you're spending time with you, he's filling you up with the fragrance of his presence. Make time in your day to spend alone with him. 
Nothing is more important. You're not too busy to do that. I want to exhort you to make time. Don't get into a work about it. Don't, don't start turning it into a work. And I'm just talking about fellowship, knowing Him, spending time. Listen, yes, I pray all day long, but there's something special about getting away from everyone and everything else and just being with Him. Yes, you can pray when you're driving. I do it all the time. But I'm still driving. There's something special when I'm not doing anything else. I'm not driving, not doing the dishes, not cutting the grass, not shopping. I'm just alone with Him. And I really believe the Lord wants to encourage us to make time for that. All right? Thank you, Father, for this time together. It's rich. It's refreshing. Lord, we're not the same as we were at at 9.55 this morning. Your Spirit and Your Word are taking us higher. You're bringing us into a new level of life and living. A new level of Your power and glory. A new level of understanding and experiencing it. You are taking us higher. We are going from glory to more glory. From victory to more victory. We're not going backwards. We're going forward. Because you are our leader and you lead us forward. We lay down every burden before you now. Any heavy thing that we've been carrying, we lay it at your feet. We lay the burden of self-effort and self-righteousness at your feet. And we ask you, Father, to teach us to walk with you, to wear your yoke, which is easy and light, to work with you and walk with you in the unforced rhythms of your grace. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.